Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, my friends. Oh, God, that was so bad. Let's try again. Hi, my friends. That one was way better. I didn't do that on my last solo episode and I got messages being like, why didn't you do the intro? You know, like like in Shrek when that little fat kid says, do the raw, daddy, do the raw. I tried to laugh with my boyfriend about that yesterday and I don't know if it was like a Mexican thing, but he'd never experienced that moment in Shrek nor realized how great it is. So I hope that someone here is knowing what I'm talking about. Anyway, hi friends, welcome back. Welcome back to a solo episode. Today is the 100th fucking episode of the Open House podcast. Can you believe it? I can't. Now, I need to be honest with you. That was probably the worst intro you've ever listened to in your whole entire life because I have smoked some sacred marijuana that a Mexican medicine man has given me. Now, look, if any of those things make you feel a bit uncomfortable, now is probably the time to switch off in today's life update because I'm going to be sharing some weird stories today because I've been going through it recently. You might have noticed I've been really quiet on Instagram. Anyone that knows me knows that it's a particularly bad sign when I go quiet. That normally means that I've gone through the phase of faking it and being like, yeah, I'm good. And I can no longer pretend that everything's okay. So I just shut down and I disappear. So I don't have to deal with telling people around me what's going on in my life because then I feel like I'm too much. So if I ever go quiet you can assume that something bad is happening or not bad. I think we need to reframe that going through difficult periods are bad. I think it's more just that they are challenging and through challenges we grow. And what is the point in staying the same? What is the point in staying the same? There isn't one. Anyway, I have never ever recorded an episode while high on any type of substance because I don't get high. As you guys know, I don't drink don't take drugs. It's been five years now, which is wild. And I don't do plant medicine. The only thing you might find me dabbling my toe in, that's not the phrase, is a tiny bit of marijuana or a tiny bit of 0.02 grams of mushrooms. I've never done any plant medicine tripping out. Like that scares me. I'm scared of tripping out. Just like I'm scared of ever doing drugs again and having a hangover or come down. No, thank you. My point being, I don't take drugs. I don't escape from reality for enjoyment, for coping. So when this Mexican medicine man gave me some sacred marijuana and he was like, this is going to help you with your pain, I was like, fuck yeah, hand that over. I don't know how to roll a joint. haven't rolled a joint in five years since I used to live in LA. 
but I'm going to take this. If a Mexican medicine man tells me to do something, I'm going to take that at face value. That has been one of the things I've been going through recently is navigating how to handle life challenges when you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't take drugs. Therapy can only take you so far and you're getting desperate. It's been a point of contention for me and my boyfriend recently. Yeah, so I digressed again. That's going to happen a lot today. But mainly, 100 fucking episodes. Are you guys actually kidding me, my friends? Are you actually kidding me? How did we get here? How did we get here? That The podcast that I started just because like I wanted to share some therapy and some therapists with the world, it's turned into an actual thing. Like I am still working a little bit of my day job on the side just to pay the bills, pay the open house production fees, which are sadly going up and up and up. I'm still playing this like, I'm still doing this balancing act of like a little bit of work, like probably 25% work, 75% open house. But I'm at the point now where if work comes in on my day job, I really say no to it because I'm like open house is my full job, nearly. I'm definitely not making anywhere near as much money as I made in previous lifetimes and careers. But do you know what? One, do something you love and the money will come later. I'm in a privileged position that I can do that. And two, I just love it. There is nothing more meaningful than helping people. And I feel like I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing in this world, in this lifetime. There is nothing more beautiful than when you guys message me saying that you've taken value from an episode or it's changed your life or you left a toxic relationship because of the podcast. That is so beautiful. I wouldn't change it for the world. We are going to have some ads coming soon on the podcast. I'm not sure when exactly that's going to start. We've been waiting a while for those to kick off. So yeah, hopefully I'll make a little bit of money on that, which can go to the production costs and will just give me more time to have more people on, create more resources and just take you guys to the next level. Because I feel like we all want to go a little bit deeper. We've done 100 episodes. We have done conscious mind. We've started on the conscious understanding, the conscious cycles, the patterns, the things that repeat, the stuff in the light, the stuff in the dark. It's time for us to go deeper. So over the next few months, that's what I'm going to be focusing on is working out how I can create you guys pathways, journeys, ways to take you deeper, rewire, hypno, subconscious reprogramming alongside all of the conscious stuff, which is so important too. So most of all, as we've got to 100 episodes I just want to say thank you like I would never be here without any of you guys and I just feel like you have given me a purpose you give me something to get up for in the morning you've given my life new meaning I've made friends through this I've built my network out I know that I don't feel alone there is nothing like the community that we have that's going on in the house to know that you can show up to a place and say, I'm going through this and that there will be no one in there who is judging you and a real like beautiful group of guys, but mainly girls who are there to support you. So yeah, this is one of the best ventures I've ever done in my whole entire life. The first part of this episode, I just wanted to say thank you for supporting, for every time you share the podcast, every time you review it, you help me and everything that I put into this. So thank you so much. Most of all, this podcast is for you. So I can't wait to see where we go together. And if you do want more episodes, ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, access to the house, 
you can join Open House Premium, which I'm going to link in the show notes. Okay, so back to the life update. I have really been going through it. Like you guys know me pretty well at this point. I feel like you understand how I work as a human being. Like I have a father wound, which makes me show up in the world feeling like I need to earn my father's love. I need to achieve in the masculine space, in the business. Maybe then he'll love me. Maybe then he'll say he's proud of me. Even though he says all of those things now, post-therapy, that's my father wound. Then I've got the mother wound, which shows up in my female friendships, feeling like I'm too much. But mainly I'm often, my wound is really in my masculine, I would say. So my coping mechanisms are to go. My go-to nervous system like function is fight or flight. I know some people go into freeze. Some people go into fawn. Some people go into shutdown. I do not really do those things. I literally just go into fight or flight. I feel like you guys know that my coping mechanisms, once I took alcohol and drugs out of the picture and smoking, were exercise and work and shopping. Now, being in Tulum, I've taken shopping out of the list of lineup of coping mechanisms because there, am I talking really fast? I feel like I'm talking really fast. Hopefully I'm not talking too fast. That's the sacred weed talking again. I've got five conversations going on. Okay, what was I talking about? Online shopping. So once I've taken online shopping out of the list, because honestly, you can't online shop in Tulum. You also can't shop. Like I've said before, there's $500 caftans or there's like the local supermarkets like Finest. And you're more likely to find me buying a bikini from Chidrawi than the $500 caftans. Again, I digress. So that is no longer a coping mechanism for me, which leaves me with working and exercising. Now, I've been really busy lately and the more and more I work, the less time it gives me to exercise. And without like my boxing classes, my spinning classes, like I have in London, like I have in New York, like I have in LA, I don't really have the coping mechanism of exercise. What does that leave me with? It leaves me with work as my coping mechanism. So the truth is, I have been working myself into the ground too much, too hard, too fast, too late, no balance, literally working from like 8am in the morning to 11pm at night, not eating properly, drinking a million coffees a day, not staying connected with people back home, ignoring the wave that has been like rising up like the water around me until it gets too late. I know how it is. I've done this cycle a hundred times. I've got pretty good at, I guess, like not doing this but sometimes it still creeps up on me the truth is I've been going through it I've worked myself into the ground and then I had a really bad pain flare so as you guys know I have a condition called fibromyalgia it started after a fucking traumatic experience when I was 18 years old that was a while ago now even if I pretend that I'm 23 I don't actually I pretend I'm 27 actually I don't even do that that's such a weird thing to say (laughs) I just feel like I'm 27 I'm literally like a Labrador puppy constantly anyway this pain condition started after a really traumatic event, which is why I'm so deeply invested in the side of therapy, which is like somatic healing, somatic coaching, the mind-body connection, understanding how stress and trauma can show up in our body, can shape our body, all of these things. But you probably know that I have a pain condition. I don't talk about it a lot, but I do try to normalize it and bring it into discussion because I think we're going to see a lot more people having chronic pain disorders and chronic disorders over the next few years and decades. If you look at the stats, they are just on the rise. We will save my question for why is that 
for another episode because boy oh boy that is a whole nother episode anyway my pain has got substantially better over the last however many years it's been since the pain condition started when I was 18 years old but a truth that I've never really spoken about on here is that I have lived my 20s with the most chronic health anxiety that I would say is possible like on a spectrum of being a little bit hypochondriac I hate that word but that's what they classify it as being a little bit like worried about your health through to the other end of the spectrum where like some days you physically can't function that has been me so this is what's happened and I've got it all consciously mapped out right when I was younger 18 and I'd be in pain whether it was I get a lot of pelvic pain but I also get full body pain joint pain leg pain finger pain I don't really get headaches but I get like body pain really all over my body. So what happened is like when I was 18 and I would start to get these pain flares, then it would obviously trigger me thinking there was something wrong with me. I would then go to the doctors who would tell me there's nothing wrong with you, but because they didn't know how to deal with chronic pain or fibromyalgia, they wouldn't really test for anything. So I then would start to get really anxious that there was something going on with me that even the doctors couldn't identify because it took me eight years to get a diagnosis of fibromyalgia and even then the doctor didn't have a fucking clue what he was talking about I'm not angry at these health practitioners because I truly understand that so many things like chronic pain chronic illness are not touched upon in medical school and if they are it's in quite a traditional mindset of oh it's autoimmune oh, the body is attacking itself. Again, we could do a whole nother episode on whether that is actually true or whether the body is fighting against something that it's coming into contact with. Again, I digress. So I started to like wire these neural pathways into my brain, which was that whenever I would have pain, I would have panic. So this is much like how other people can develop phobias around spiders or heights or being sick or other people being sick there was at some point what I've learned so much fear in the surroundings of seeing the spider being on top of the building someone being sick around you that there became so much fear around that event happening again So at this point, and again, I am no neuroscience expert, so do not quote me on this. This is just my own experience and living this journey as my own. Your neural pathways can basically then like tag together to a specific instant. This is how I believe that phobias develop. I'm sure there's science out there that also says differently, but this is what I've learned from my energetic trauma release practitioner. So what would happen is every time I would have pain, it would then become neurally wired to me thinking that there was something going on that the doctors weren't telling me about or that the doctors didn't know about. So this would then get worse and worse to the point that like sometimes I would genuinely think I was going to die. I genuinely thought there was things that were wrong with me. Just so many things at different points I have thought maybe this is the problem because you go out there and you research because your brain wants to find conscious answers right your conscious brain needs control my brain needed control my brain needed safety but the doctors couldn't give it to me there is no safety in not knowing what is wrong with you so I basically started these loops and these cycles of every time I would have pain I would go into a state of fight or flight that would cue the anxiety, that would cue the health anxiety. 
that would cue a cascade of stress response. Because the truth is, once I got into that cycle, there was nothing I could rationally do to tell myself, you are safe, you are healthy, you are not going to die. This chronic pain is from God knows what, but hold on, honey, because you're going to sort it out over the next few years of your life. That was a really difficult cycle for me to step into. Now, that is a cycle that actually got progressively worse and worse and worse over my 20s because the pain would get worse. Doctors would say there's nothing wrong with me. I then got really fucking scared of having blood tests. It was almost like I became so scared of what could be wrong with me that I didn't want to know. So it was like my phobia then became around testing, around blood tests. And I know this is so niche, but I am sharing the ins and outs of this because I've said on other podcasts before, like I have really bad health anxiety and it's something I've lived with that has taken over my life. I will share when the time is right. For some reason, it feels like the time is right on today's episode. That was never the plan. Celebrating 100 episodes with a mental breakdown, I need to tell you what I was breaking down over. I also think that there are more people out there that have phobias or deeply ingrained fears into our neural wiring is potentially a better way to describe it than we talk about. If I think of my best friends, like I have health anxiety. One of my best friends has health anxiety. One of my best friends has a phobia of spiders, like so much so that she was scared to even have children because she was scared that if there was a spider in the room with the baby that she physically like could not function, like wouldn't be able to be a mother. I have another friend who has a phobia of needles, have another friend who has a phobia of people being sick. That one I can imagine is really not nice. So my point is, is I'm sharing this in the hope that maybe if this is you or if it's someone that you know, that you might feel less alone. Because when you live with a phobia, when you live with health anxiety, it is impossible to explain it to someone that doesn't get it that doesn't have it okay so if you're scared of spiders like I'm not scared of spiders I will pick up a spider and take it outside for you but if you're scared of spiders for you to say to someone I would rather literally cut my own hand off than touch a spider people will not understand and that is why I think I often haven't spoken about my pain because it triggered such specific fears such specific neural pathways such specific loops that became so recurrent that I literally at points was like questioning, do I have OCD? Do I truly have the DSM-5 diagnosis of OCD? Because the thought patterns were so obsessive, were so scary to live with, were so intrusive that there were also times when I was like, oh my God, we need to stop using the word OCD because for people that actually have OCD, not that they're, they have a trauma response for cleanliness. I'm talking full-blown diagnostic OCD. It is again, like life altering. It is like a horrible thing to live with. So again, if that is you, I'm here holding space for you being like, I have had times when I have been there with you in those cycles. Okay, so coming back to what I've been going through, I've been very used to these cycles of pain, fear, making up a story, turning it into a phobic cycle and then like having to live with that. I don't think I can probably explain like how bad and debilitating and life-altering it has been over the course of the last decade or whatever. Like I would have 
panic attacks that would literally floor me. I would be like lying on the floor, unable to breathe. Like my whole body would go into shutdown. So then I was so scared that that was always going to happen. And so every time I got pain, I never knew what was going to happen next. So I was like constantly living in this cycle of fear, fear of the pain, fear of the diagnosis, fear of the panic attack. The whole thing was just crazy. I would have the craziest symptoms in my body, which your body then also is trying to work out and it's trying to put a rational or conscious like answer to. And again, it can't. So again, you think you're going crazy and then you think there's something wrong with you. You have a disease. You think you're dying. There have just been times when my brain has felt so messed up and wired so wrong that I honestly have really, really, really struggled But over the last few years, it started to get so much better. This is what happened. I went to therapy for other things, but the phobia came up, I would say, pretty quickly as something that I wanted to work on. Because at this point in my past, I was having panic attacks. Guys, when I say that I would be like in my ex-boyfriend's arms, like sobbing, not able to breathe, that's how bad my panic attacks were. Over nothing. Nothing even happened. It was like the fear that there might be something wrong with me, even though I had no evidence to suggest that there was anything wrong with me other than the pain. So I went to therapy. She started to help me understand the more conscious sides of it. This for me has been incredibly helpful because what conscious talk therapy has taught me is that often OCD, obsessive thoughts, intrusive thoughts, panic cycles, phobic cycles, they can really be tied to psychological vulnerabilities in childhood. So for example, like if there were experiences where you truly did not have love and support around you, this can turn into like such exasperation and longing that it becomes like this energy that you can't get rid of and then it ends up being like pinned on something. And for me and my fears and phobias being like there's something really wrong with me that I have a disease that I have some like severe illness a lot of my pain also was in my pelvis so I was like having like major panic attacks that maybe I have all the STIs in the world even though I had no evidence for that my brain was like maybe you have all of these things maybe you're gonna die because you have this conscious therapy helped me understand that there were big fears below that as well like a fear of being rejected a fear of being alone a fear of being too much and having to just deal with all these things on my own conscious therapy helped me see the cycles of what was going on but it was really energetic trauma release that helped me remove the charge from these events because If you had known me five years ago, if you had known me two years ago, I always say this, I would have rather murdered my mother than gone and got a blood test. Like it was honestly, I can't tell you what I would have preferred to have done. I genuinely would have preferred to have walked into a store and hold a store up at gunpoint with a mask on than go and get a blood test. That genuinely would have been easier for me to do. So hopefully this will help you guys if you don't live this to understand like, how gentle you need to be with people that do live it because it can make them feel like so powerless and so out of control. Okay, so coming back to what I'm actually trying to talk about for the 500th time, I'm also getting less high as this episodes go on. I can feel myself like coming back to reality. So back in the room, back in the room, I have made great progress with the pain, with the phobia. I would say I've had two years of like the lowest pain I've ever had, which also means the lowest phobia I've ever had, the lowest health anxiety I've ever had, because they are intrinsically tied together. Like 
when I don't have pain, I have no health anxiety. Like when there was COVID, nothing did not impact me at all. Like I had no health anxiety. It's a very specific experience that I've lived. And the last two years, things have been great. I've done really well. But last week, my life took a fucking 180. And I don't know what happened, but I had such a bad pain flare. My pelvis, my vagina, my fingers, my wrists, my whole body, my head, my neck. I genuinely was like, do I have dengue fever again? Like this pain is so intense. I had a real bad pain flare, but it also triggered my health anxiety really badly. And it also triggered my phobia really bad. And guys, it got really bad. I'm talking like I said to my boyfriend once or twice, like it would probably be easier for me, trigger warning suicide, to be dead than it is to live in my head how it is right now. And that was like the first time that I'd ever said to someone like, this is so bad. I don't really know if I can handle this. Now, I'm never going to do anything stupid. I think it was more just like a point of the gravity of like how bad it can get inside my head. And last week was just really bad. Like I really hit rock bottom for the first time in years. And I was really shocked by that. I was really surprised by that. I was genuinely like, I don't know where this has come from. I don't know what's triggered the pain. I don't know what's triggered the phobia. Like it's got really bad. Now, I think what's really interesting is in therapy over the last few months, I've been told that I'm really wrapping out like a lot of cycles that I've been working on and I've really come to a ton of realizations and I'm surrendering to things and just like replacing old behaviors with new behaviors and I'm ending a lot of cycles. And then I did a session with my energetic trauma release practitioner like a month ago He is basically like a somatic body-based practitioner. He also does energy work and he is also tapped in and psychic. Again, if you don't subscribe to this, if you're not into this, in fact, the rest of the episode is going to get kookier. So you guys can bow out now. I ask you to be open-minded because 18 years of pain, I made that number up, 15 years of pain, 12 years of pain, whatever it's been, I've tried everything in the book, everything. And energetic trauma release, subconscious reprogramming. One could go as far as to say that is the only thing that truly has changed my life alongside therapy. So be open-minded. I really think that beautiful things can come when we're open-minded. Anyway, this practitioner, he said to me, you are gonna go through a huge energetic death. This was like last month. I was like, oh my God, what do you mean? He was like, it's just energetic. You are gonna end huge cycles that you've lived. And I was like, hey, this sounds familiar. My practitioner told me this. My therapist told me this too. And you're gonna end these huge cycles and you are about to leave the past version of you behind. You are about to step into a whole new you. So I thought that was crazy, crazy. And then I get this notification on Pattern, the app. I don't know if you guys sign up to that. It's really fucking good. So I get this notification and it says, cycle, letting go of identity, peak date, 16th of June to the 14th of July. That is literally now. It says, astrologically, this cycle marks both an ending and a new beginning for your life as a woman. You're being asked to examine how you relate to your old energy and to let go of old notions and behaviors that no longer serve you. Someone from your past may appear to help you find closure by reminding you that you're no longer the same person you once were. That is fucking wild. I'm not at the end yet, but I just want to say that is wild because if you guys remember, 
I met up with my ex-boyfriend in the dates of this fucking cycle because he reappeared. We met up. We closed that cycle. Oh my God, that is what the energetic practitioner as well said to me. He said, by meeting your ex-boyfriend, you have closed huge cycles, huge cycles that have been open for like a very long time. Okay, so I thought that was wild as well. This caption gets wilder. It says, this period marks the end of the way you've been for the past 19 years. The past 19 years. Guys, I need to work out the numbers of like how many years I've had pain. Right now is not the time. My brain is fuzzy and I'm also fucking bad at maths. Anyone knows math is my worst subject. But it says, this period marks the end of the way you've been for the past 19 years. The cat just meowed. She's saying, yes. The caption says, it's your opportunity to let something go. You're being pushed to evolve in your womanhood by releasing your attachment to the past. Okay, this is fucking wild. So in this moment, I just realized in the darkness of my pain and my phobia and I'm sobbing and I'm on the bed and I can't work and I'm like, thank God I just hired an assistant and a social media manager because like I would not be able to be working right now. I realized I have to face my fear. What is my fear? My fear is going to get blood tests just to check that everything is okay inside my body. Now, this is the scariest thing I could ever do. When I tell you that yesterday, literally I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. We're doing it. And my boyfriend was like, I'll come with you. I'll come and get all of my blood tests as well. So you just don't feel alone. And I can go through this with you. I was like, that is so sweet. That is like the sign of true love. I just knew I have to do this. I have to face up to the thing that I have been running away from the pain. Honestly, in the last 12 years, I can count on one hand the time I've had blood tests. I have been forced. It's when I've been forced to have them. Like when I moved to Dubai and I arrived and I moved my whole life there. And I didn't realize that when you landed to get your visa, you had to go and do blood tests. By this point, I had moved my whole fucking life across the world. I was like, I can't, I can't just turn around now and tell my law firm, sorry guys, like I've got a phobia of blood tests, needles and viruses. So I'm just gonna, just gonna come right on back and return to the London office. (laughs) Oh my God. So also this is the craziest story ever, guys. I smuggle. I don't know if I'm going to get arrested by telling this story. Okay. Pretend that this is another country. Okay. Let's say I went to Kuwait, right? When I moved to Kuwait, real story. When I moved to Kuwait, I smuggled two grams of cocaine into Kuwait. Now, I don't know if you know about Kuwait, but there is a death sentence in Kuwait. Am I saying that word right? Is it Kuwaiti? Kuwaiti, am I high? What is going on? Kuwait, Kuwait. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, before I moved to Kuwait, I was packing up my bedroom in London and my friend was sat with me and we were about to go out for the night and she had some cocaine and she left it in a box. You know, those blister plasters in the UK that you get, like the blisties, like the turquoise boxes, they like snap open. You put the blister plasters for your ankles in them. She was like, okay, I'm just putting my drugs here. I'm going to just leave it at yours so I don't take it out tonight, whatever. Okay, so she leaves it there. The next day I get back and I keep packing I cannot find the blister plaster box anywhere in my bedroom. And I'm aware that there's some drugs in my bedroom and I'm packing to move to Kuwait. And Kuwait has the death penalty if you take drugs in. So I really need to be clear of these fucking drugs. And I messaged her being like, where did you put them? And she was like, oh, I put them here, whatever. I can't remember what happened. This is a very long time ago, guys. Okay. Long story short, when I moved to Kuwait, I got there and 
oh yeah, I was talking about blood tests, wasn't I? Basically, shortly after getting the blood test, which was like my worst nightmare and it was like three days of hell waiting for the results, I went to get a blister plaster out for my ankle and what did I find in the blister plaster box? The fucking cocaine. Guys, I smuggled it into their country. That is so not okay. It's not okay. The shit that we do when we're younger. Do you ever think like, how have I made it here? How have I made it here in one piece without like broken bones, without losing a limb? Like when I look back at some of the situations that I put myself in, they are so unsafe being on the back of mopeds in Thailand, shit faced with strangers and like falling off. Like that's not great. Breaking my toes, like breaking my feet, breaking my fingers, like getting hit by a car. I've done that one being in like situations with strangers where like they are wholly unsafe and I should never have done that and having unprotected sex like sometimes I'm like how do do, have I never got chlamydia some chlamydia guardian angel was like looking out over me at that point in my life anyway back to the main episode again I am like sat outside of the fucking hospital on Monday morning and I just can't believe I'm here like working with a practitioner that has taken the energetic charge out of the fear out of the phobia out of my neural pathways he literally works in my amygdala he works in my nervous system he literally takes the stress out of the cells it is amazing he can also tell me what happened like when it happened and why these moments got lodged in my nervous system it's wild So there I am and I can't believe I'm like finally facing up to this and I just basically faced up to my fear. My boyfriend really took the limelight from the whole experience because he passed out. He sat there on the fucking floor in the hospital drenched in sweat. I'm like, how did the tables turn? Like I am the one that is supposed to have the phobia here. Because of that, I was like so looking after him that I was actually okay. The blood test was fine. I think what I realized in that moment as well is like, I'm good with pain. I've had a lifetime of pain. So it's definitely not the pain. I think it's more like just the fear, the needles, like the dirty needle that I probably got injected with in Thailand in circa 1999 or whatever. I think I was only 10 at that time. I don't know. I'm so bad with dates if you guys haven't realized. Anyway, I was fine. I did it. And then I had to wait for 12 hours to get the results. Now, when I say that facing my fears means that yesterday was 12 hours of hell, it took me to the brink of darkness and back. And I feel like that was my energetic death. Like I went into the darkness. Like you can't avoid it forever. And I'd spent my whole life avoiding it, skirting around it. Like I just stepped into the fucking darkness. And when I say that yesterday was so stressful, I meditated for an hour. I did movement. I did somatic work. I did 20 minutes of hip release. I was just doing everything within my capability to like release stuff from my physical body whilst I was going through such like an intense experience. And then at the end of that, I lay down and I just put my head, my arm over my face and it was pitch black. And I just went on this like meditative journey. I was like listening to some frequency music and I honestly went back to some of the most horrible memories, all the stuff I've done that I've regretted, all the moments that I've had fear or stuff that's caused my health anxiety or times that I was in situations with guys that I didn't want to be in. I really faced up to some of my darkest moments and memories and I went into those moments. I've done this with a tapping practitioner as well before. She like takes you back into real life memories with your inner child. So you can like 
talk to the person there and you can be like, I'm so sorry that this situation like panned out this way. It shouldn't have. I wish I could have done this differently for you. I basically did that yesterday. I would step into the scene and I would basically say to the girl in it, 16 year old Louise, you're okay. You're safe. Like I know there's no one here to help you right now. And I know you've just done this with this guy and you really didn't want to do that. And you feel really violated and sad and all these things. I would literally speak to her. So it was crazy. I had the most cathartic experience and got the test at 8am and then I got the results at 6.07pm to be specific. Everything that I tested for was negative. There was like nothing in these rounds of tests. There was nothing in there that was positive. So I just can't get over the fact that I've faced up to my darkness, like the truth of my darkness And the darkness didn't even need to be that dark after all, because my darkness was fueled by fear. My darkness was fueled by fear of the unknown, the unknown I was too scared to step into. And then finally, 12 years later, I stepped into it and I didn't even need to be scared all those years. But I know it's much easier to say, oh, you didn't need to be scared. Like I had very rational reasons to be having a body that was in pain and no one being able to give me answers. But yeah, I feel like I have just closed out a huge fucking cycle. I also had these realizations recently. So the meaning of my name is warrior. And sometimes I feel like I'm a fucking warrior. Like I feel like I'm weak and I can't handle it. And God is giving me his battles. And I'm like, I can't do this. Everything makes me cry. It's like that meme when someone's like, why are you doing this to me, God? Like, why do you give me your hardest battles? And someone's, the God literally replies saying, this is literally my easiest battle. All you have to do is open the email. I was like, that is jokes. Sometimes I feel like that's me. I look around, I feel like, how does everyone get through life without like constantly feeling everything so much, having these breakdowns all the time? I just had this realization that it's so cheesy and cliche when someone says, oh, you're out here breaking cycles. I've never really said that, even though I know that by doing the work at the level that I am and that you guys are by listening, we are fucking breaking cycles because we are going to change the way that our future generations, whether they are children or the children that are grown, grow around us when we are with them in family units, friend units, whatever, we are changing the way that they experience the world and life. So we are breaking cycles, but I never really understood the gravity of that phrase and Yeah, I'm just starting to realize how hard it is to really face up to the deep emotional burdens of these cycles. Now, I've been talking to you guys for so long and I have 2% battery. I haven't even got to tell you about the Mexican medicine man. I'm going to go and get my charger, plug you in and give you five minutes on the Mexican medicine man that also took me to the brink of fucking energetic death this week. Okay, I'm back. And whilst I was gone, I just messaged my manager being like... I don't know if I've just honestly recorded the best solo update ever or the worst one. Like I probably, this will be the one and only time that I smoke any sacred Mexican marijuana ever again in my life whilst trying to do anything work-related. I also understand that I need to get onto what I mean by sacred Mexican medicine man marijuana because I understand that is a combination of words that you probably haven't heard ever before in your life. So let's take it back to last week when I'm in the depths of the depths, right? I'm in the worst time ever. And I try and like get an appointment with my 
practitioner, the guy that I've been talking about a lot today. And I can't, he's so busy. He's booked out for weeks and months on end because he's literally out here changing fucking lives. And I was like, oh my God. So I messaged my friend who lives in Tulum. She also has chronic pain. She also is pretty spiritual. She has tried a lot of different things. And I told her what was going on. I don't often talk about it, but I said, look, I have really bad pain. I have really bad health anxiety. I'm having really bad intrusive thoughts. Do you know anyone that can help me? She was like, you need to go and see my friend Enrique. He is a Mexican medicine man. He's fucking weird. You will have the wildest experience of your life and he will help you. Okay, so when I say to you that some of my friends are at home having babies, building houses, curing their mastitis, literally caring for young human babies, young human babies, I am out here laying face down on the floor of a Mexican medicine man's kitchen in the pitch black, drenched in sweat at a man's house that I have never fucking been to. This is what I'm saying earlier is like, I've put myself in some dangerous situations in life that if my dad is listening to this, he will be like tutting and he'll be like, no, like Louise, you've got to be more careful. And the truth is, you do got to be more careful. So please be careful if you're listening. Don't get into cars with strangers. Just don't do it. Like I feel very lucky that I've escaped scot-free. But this guy, he came recommended from a friend. She said loads of our other friends have seen him. She said, you just need to be open-minded. He does trauma release through like manual body work, but that also there's some crazy stuff that can happen. Past life regressions because in the spiritual train of thought, like you can have energy that's logged or lodged into your body that when you release it, it can be like connected back through past lives, et cetera, et cetera. And she was like, you just need to be open-minded. So I turn up and there's a power cut. Okay. So it's pitch black. There's just a purple mosquito lamp on the floor. There is no air conditioning. I'm like, holy fucking moly. I am going to be, it's going to be the tsunami all over again in literally 35 seconds. Cause I was wearing a thick, beautiful, like matching tracksuit short set. Bad idea. I should have literally gone in a bikini. So we get there and we start and he starts like giving me some drink and I'm like, oh my God, this guy's literally 100% going to drug me. If he wants to drug me, I'm right here. And I'm like looking around at the windows. I'm like, if I scream, can people hear me? And I'm like, yes, because all the windows are open. So he's obviously not trying to drug me, but like maybe he is. And is he pouring me a drink from the same thing? The first few minutes, they were stressful. Then I realized I just need to fucking relax. Like my friend recommended this person. Like anyone can hear me if I scream because all the windows were open and there were all these neighbors and they were all sitting on their balconies. So I started to relax and he starts to like tune in and he says, it's your grandma. And I was like, what? He was like, you are holding so much silence and pain and trauma in your pelvis from your grandma. He was like, do you know what she went through? And I did. We had some family drama, let's put it that way, with illegitimate love children appearing and yeah crazy shit crazy shit anyway as soon as he told me what it was I just knew I was like oh my god that is the part of the jigsaw that I've never ever touched upon like the generational trauma that gets held and passed down through energetic cords I was like oh my god wow anyway the session got crazier and crazier by this point I'm like drenched in sweat dripping in sweat I am somehow lying face down on the floor. And you know, we talk about like somatic shaking, like how you're supposed to shake after a traumatic event. So it lets out the energy from within your nervous system. 
that was basically how this practitioner worked. So he would take my body into positions where it started to shake and then I would stay there, honestly, for 20 minutes. I was in this one position on this medicine ball, fucking weird, where my right leg, when I say it was shaking aggressively, only my right leg for 20 minutes in this one position and I'm face down and I'm drenched in sweat and there's music playing. The whole thing was crazy. He was also then massaging me at the same time And when I say I was having the craziest memories, stuff I've never thought about before, I swear I had some regressions into like other lifetimes that I've lived in. It was fucking crazy. Some of you might be listening to this thinking this girl is batshit crazy, but do you know what? I'm a girl that likes to live. I like to try things and I'm open to trying anything because if you'd lived in chronic pain for 15 years, maybe you would too. So I ask Maybe don't judge. Maybe if it was your mum, your sister, your daughter that had lived in agony for 15 years, maybe they would try these things too. So yes, I had this crazy experience with this Mexican medicine man and I just feel like by the end of it, I was like exhausted and elated and I'd had so many memories come up to the surface that I was like, I need to release that. I need to forgive that. It was crazy. So between seeing the Mexican medicine man, between hitting rock bottom last week between having literally a mental breakdown like I felt like I was on the brink of psychosis it wasn't great between deciding that this ends here and that I'm the one that needs to break these cycles and go and get these blood tests between seeing this medicine man I think I already said that one and going to get the tests and getting the results I have had the craziest week truly like when I say that I've had days where I would just be in bed and I would just sleep for three and a half hours or I would do yoga in the yoga shala like on the beach and I would just pass out for four hours like I have been going through it like crazy and just to add on top of all of that stress that I've been going through my relationship is also giving me some challenges too because a year and a half into it now and I'm really just like trying to work out where our future lies, where my future lies. My dog is still with my parents in the UK. During this period, this like horrendous darkness that I've gone through, I realized like I need my friends. I need my family. I was sobbing, just being like, I just want to cuddle from my mum. And some of my best friends are in London. One's in Canada, one's in LA. I've just felt like even more alone during this whole thing. And being alone is like, very triggering for me because it's one of my wounds is like I always just find it easier to be alone it's safer to be alone so I go and be alone and then in the aloneness I feel even more alone and then my inner child is triggered and there's just even more emotion that comes up as well as that so yeah it's a crossroads that I'm at right now I don't know where to go I can't go to the states because even though all of my work is going to be in the States and there's going to be a ton of open house stuff in America and I'm going to be recording at Spotify New York and Spotify LA, my boyfriend can't come with me. He can't get a visa right now to the States. He also has a job that he can't leave. And the flights back to the UK are so expensive. I just said to him, like, can we go home in July? I need to go home. I need to like be with my friends and my family. And I just really have gone through it the last few weeks. And we looked at flights and they were two and a half thousand dollars return in economy. 
so expensive. They used to be like $500 post COVID. They've got crazy. So I just feel really trapped because like, I want him to come home with me. I want to go home. I don't have two and a half dollars to drop on a June or July flight to go home. Oh my God, two and a half thousand dollars, not two two and a half dollars. I wish the flights were two and a half dollars. That would actually solve all my problems. I would fly all the time. Although the truth is, another truth is that Jet lag fucks me so badly that I can't even just hop home for a little trip. Anyway, I'm also supposed to be going home in September. I'm also supposed to be going to Greece with my best friend in September. I don't have any real money right now because like I told you, I'm in between jobs. I'm just living on like a very normal amount of money. I guess it just doesn't really give space to grab a $3,000 flight or to go on holiday So I'm just feeling like very trapped and we're then looking at going to Europe. Can we move to Europe? Does he really even want to do that? Do I want to do it? Where would we go? Can he get a visa? Can I get a visa? Because obviously after Brexit now, British people can't just go around Europe in the way that we used to. So there's just like a lot of uncertainty there and haven't even been able to really think about where we go next because every day I'm just like feel like I'm battling something at the moment but underneath that there's like the uncertainty of all of that and then I feel like I'm missing my best friends being pregnant giving birth I feel like I'm missing out on really beautiful important memories that I want to be there for them with and even though I understand like friendship lasts forever and it doesn't matter if you're not there through things like you can always be friends it just makes me sad I feel lonely I'm here alone I don't really have too many friends in Tulum I have more than I used to but yeah just not the same and definitely not friends that can support me through what I've just gone through like you know, my boyfriend's like, just go and hang out with her, like whatever, just tell her what you're going through. I'm like, how do I sit down and be like, hey, I'm here. Sorry, I have had 18 years of physical pain, phobias, health anxiety. It floors me. I'm constantly panicked. I'm constantly worried. Oh, and by the way, last week I hit rock bottom and I went to go and get blood tests and spent, oh, that's another thing. I spent $800 on the blood tests last week. So I just got my credit card bill today and I'm like, oh my fucking God, my rent's due. There's just a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. It's okay though. I'm going to be okay. We are all going to be okay. So that is my update of celebrating 100 episodes by telling you that you might think that I should be a little further ahead than I am on this journey after 100 episodes with therapists. And the truth is that life is a roller coaster. It's not A to B, it's literally A to D via B and C, A to E, whatever, all these weird things like jumping around all over the place. It's a roller coaster. Life is a fucking roller coaster, especially if you are doing the work. Because if you distract and if you avoid and if you suppress, it's easier. Life is easier, I do believe. But when you learn about what emotional suppression does, and there's a lot of science out there, the suppression of anger and breast cancer, this is all big mainstream pharma science research. It's out there. Google it. If you want the studies, you can message me and I'll send them. Maybe I'll put them in the show notes. So yeah, if you think that you ever should be further ahead than you are, Just be gentle with yourself. Life is back and forward. And then all of a sudden, one day, you break through the barrier. You break through the belief. You break through the fear. You break through the conditioning. Whatever it is, one day, there is a day when you're just like, I fucking did it. The day that you wake up and you realize, I'm not heartbroken anymore. 
The day that you wake up and you realize that guy, that girl, she didn't text me back and I am not going to fucking chase them because I'm worthy of being picked and chosen for who I am without having to chase someone else. The day that you wake up and you realize how your parents parented you and how it showed up today, how it's defined you as a human being. The moment that you realize, oh my God, this is what my coping mechanisms are and this is how my coping mechanisms have formed. These are huge breakthroughs. When you have them, your life will never ever be the same, but you have to go into the discomfort to have them. You have to go into the discomfort. You have to ask the hard questions. You have to do the therapy. You have to do the somatic body work. You have to do the meditation and the tapping and the past life regressions and the hypnosis and all of this stuff if you really want to go deep. And that's what I'm doing. Like Sarah said to me once, you've got to practice what you preach. She said, you've got to practice what you preach. And I realized in that moment, I have to practice what I preach. I need to do all of this. I need to live it. I need to share it with you guys. That is exactly what I'm doing. So most of all, 100 episodes of you guys supporting me through this crazy life, this roller coaster life. I never know if I'm going to have a good day, a bad day, or if I need to call my therapist. I never know if I'm going to laugh or cry. But the truth is that under joking about it, I am calmer, sweeter, kinder, more caring, more stable, more thoughtful, more balanced than I have ever been before. And I think that is the beauty of doing the work. So this is my reminder for you that it's okay to slow down. It's okay for you to withdraw. It's okay for you to process. Just keep moving forward. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck in the past. Just know that you are going back to the past so you can ask yourself, what am I learning here that I can change my future with? That is 50 minutes of rambling from me. I am so sorry that this Mexican medicine man gave me this marijuana and told me to smoke it because I did. I listened to him. The last few days have been revolutionary for me, revolutionary. And I just want to take you to your own revolutionary moments for yourself. They are out there. I know that you can get there. And most of all, I'm so fucking proud of you. I love you guys. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for loving me for who I am. I love you for exactly who you are. Please, please stay tuned on this journey because there is so much more coming your way. But until then, a hundred fucking episodes, baby. How did we end up here? I love you guys and I will talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And we're the hosts of Seeing Red. We deliver intriguing, terrifying and dumbfounding true crime stories each and every week. With a focus on cases from the UK, we do occasionally venture overseas. We've covered everything from the mysterious death of professional footballer Emiliano Sala to the attempted murder of Victoria Sillias, a woman who fell from the sky and lived to tell the tale. Binge our bulging back catalogue and join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red.